You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 147 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on November 5th. This is Vince along with Raj. How are you doing today, man? Can we just briefly just start off by me saying I finally got a chance to read Pretty Deadly, number one, and I actually had to email Kelly DeConnick and just tell her how unbelievably impressed I am with the writing in it. It was like, wow. I I don't know if you were as floored by it as I was, but man, that was just freaking brilliant. Yes, as we will discuss in more depth next week. Yeah. Oh, well, we are? Okay. Good, good stuff. Good uh, stuff. Yeah, I was just, wow, blown away. Blown away. It was just the writing was – it's one of those things where like some other comics we've said, like you, your, your respect for their work is already so high that you think, well, you know, they can't impress me any more than they already – and then they put something like this out. And it's like, holy crap, this is so freaking good. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Well, finally, after – Two months of us gnashing and waiting and wanting to talk about it, and I kept forcing both of us to shut up. We're finally going to talk about Battle of the Atom this week. Yes. <laughs> Battle of the Atom is representing the 50th anniversary event for uh, the X-Men comics. And I know they've done other similar things with big milestones, but this is really the first anniversary event I've seen from really any franchise that feels like it's really paying respect to the legacy of everything that came before. Because, of course, we have this huge generation-spanning storyline with various X-Men from different time periods. Of course, we have the original five kicking around. But everything we saw through this, even with the present and the future X-Men, it just really felt like a true anniversary event to me. The other thing, too, is that we're coming off of events that the both of us really were not that crazy about. So, I mean, the for us at least, the bar was pretty low. <laughs> so <laughs> it would not have taken all that much to really impress us. But they just, you know, pole vaulted over the bar. It just, they went above and beyond what I was expecting. And like what you're saying, too, between all of the different time periods, the, the, the characters from the different time periods working together, it, it was one of those things where it worked and it worked well. I mean, we've seen it so many times fail, and here it was that it just it worked beautifully. And I think part of the reason why as well was because we had the opportunity to get used to that original crew being here in this time and really start to care about that story that's going on. So when you mix it in with everything else, you've already got a fairly good base of characters that you really care a lot about right now. And it also helps that the X-Men line is the strongest now that it's been probably since like the mid-80s. Well, it also helps that future Iceman has a freaking beard. Yeah, and he's like a wizard. That 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 there, that's all we needed. 
<laughs> so anyway, the crossover was 10 issues long, uh, two issues each of X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, All-New X-Men, and Wolverine and the X-Men, as well as the Battle of the Atom 1 and 2 bookends. We had it written from Brian Michael Bendis, Brian Wood, and Jason Aaron, art by Frank Cho, Stuart Imonen, David Lopez, Chris Bacallo, <gasps> Giuseppe Comancoli, and Isad Ribic, as well as more anchors and colorists than I can name, and even with all the different art styles, I didn't mind it at all. Did Bacallo's work? Oh, oh, <laughs> Because as is traditional with the uh, the X Men crossovers, and this is you know going back to the eighties, it's not you know a big central miniseries with uh, tie-ins. It just bounces across the various titles from week to week, and each title, like you know the X Men stuff, you know. Each chapter of that story really focused on that specific team. Well, of course, driving the the overall story forward. But, for example, the X-Men issues were really focusing on Jubilee and Psylocke and Rachel and their roles in the story. And they were you know, the central characters of that exact chapter. So having the different artists for their specific books really worked for this one, whereas it hasn't in stuff like AVX because that was just really one big story and having the art style change mid-story was kind of a shift, whereas this felt like the individual pieces were all just coming together into one larger story. And the thing too is, again, when we're looking at this type of event that crosses a variety of different IPs, like AVX kind of thing, it bounces around so much that it's jarring when you are you're changing the focus of who the characters are for whatever issue it is. Whereas this, it's all X-Men. So it doesn't matter that in one issue you're concentrating more on Scott's X-Men versus Wolverine's X-Men kind of thing or the future or past. It, it's not... It's not jarring in the least. It feels like different chapters in a book where the chapters focus on different characters. It just, it worked in that way so much better than we've seen recently from other cross-issue series. Mm -hmm. And over the course of this 10 issues, I mean, I can't even begin to touch on every single awesome little thing that happened but i'm i'm gonna try my best to at least uh hit the major bullet points and you know if there's something that you think i overlooked please feel free to uh chime in will do but it starts off where we have the original five x-men you know out in action you know new mutant has popped up and suddenly sentinels <laughs> And what was really great here is yeah, Cyclops' team showed up because you know the Sentinels were, were there. They, they felt they were needed, not knowing the original five were on the scene. And we get the crazy scene where young Cyclops is killed. <laughs> and I cheered modern a little. day Cyclops <laughs> just winked out of existence. No back to the future fade away or anything. Just poof, gone. Where's Scott? And like right off the bat, that set it up as they're not messing around with with the storyline they're telling here of just how much the original five being in the modern day is going to jack things up. The only thing is, is and, and it's nitpicking, but as you're reading it, you're thinking, well, they, they wouldn't even remember him. <laughs> if he'd never existed, they wouldn't remember him. I know it's nitpicking, but it's still. No, they, 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 I, I totally agree, but I don't care. <laughs> Uh, I was happy enough for him being gone. I was going, they're starting off great. <laughs> Unfortunately, he got better. Yeah. <laughs> 
So as everybody's arguing over what to do with the original five, obviously, them being the modern day is too much of a threat. They need to go home. Some people agree. Some people disagree. Out of nowhere, we get the future X-Men showing up, where we have an old version of Kitty, a really old jacked up version of Beast, a version of Iceman that can only best be described as the Ice Hulk, Deadpool, (laughs) Molly from the Runaways, a psychic that is at least claiming to be Xavier's grandson, which would probably mean he has to be Legion's son, and that's a whole other thing. And a character that we haven't seen in the comics in a while of Zorn, who turns out to be Jean Grey from the future, which is actually – this is where things get complicated. It's the young Jean Grey from the past who never went home, so it's an older version of her into the future. The timeline is jacked up, and when you just try to wrap your head around what's going on here, you realize that this is actually a pretty big problem for the X-Men. I loved that, though. I loved how they worked that in because it gave permanence to what we've been seeing Mm -hmm. with the younger crew being here. So I kind of thought it was a really nice tie-in. It's funny because Joe and I have been talking about time travel and as it pertains to World of Warcraft and their plans now for the next expansion and stuff like that. And we were both saying, you know what, we've had it with time travel and retcons in that game and stuff like that because it's it's not always well handled, let's be very honest. But time travel can be well handled and it can be something that's actually exciting and cool. And yeah, there's little niggles here where you're kind of saying, well, that's not quite right there. But, but I mean, it's freaking time travel. But this here, again, when they... They're, again, like I said, bringing permanence to what we've been getting used to now for months and really enjoying. God, I absolutely loved that. And showing the consequence of screwing with the space-time continuum yeah. and just how bad things can get because of it. And I loved that. I, <laughs> I love that Beast is the one that screwed up by bringing him here. And who brings the future guys over? It's Beast again. <laughs> constantly screwing up the timelines everywhere (laughs) throughout the entire crossover we kept getting you know these little bits with shield and maria hill was just nonstop hilarious through all this talking about how she's sick of the x-men she's sick of time travel most of all she's sick of henry mccoy (laughs) it's like people talk so much about how wolverine's a loose cannon but you know at least wolverine has a code that he lives by it might be a messed up code but it's a code scientists like henry mccoy just don't <laughs> I love the scene too. Again, credit to the writing too, because when you're looking at an event like this, and we've talked about this before, where when it's multiple writers on something, it can, it's, there, there's a fairly big potential for fail just because you've got too many cooks in the kitchen. And here we saw how they could really pull it off well. But again, a credit to the individual writers, where not only did they handle this massive story arc with so many balls in the air in terms of different characters and little plot twists and stuff like that. But they're able to insert all of these little things here and there that again, they might be a panel or two, but they're just so freaking cool. When, when, when Kitty sees herself in the future and she <laughs> says, remind me to moisturize. <laughs> <laughs> and again, all the stuff with Bobby, both the young Bobby as well as the current Bobby and the old Bobby. It was like every scene he was in, he basically stole. Yeah. And just to, to, 
catch on with the whole multiple writers thing. Jason Aaron was talking on Twitter about how excited that he was that he finally got a chance to write a story with gold balls in it. <laughs> gold balls confirmed for best X-Men character. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as all this is going on, Gene and Scott basically, you know, flee the coop. As Scott says, you threw a Wolverine at them. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, you know, they, they end up getting caught. But we actually get a cool bit where Kitty and Rachel show up to kind of intervene and just really make people try and think about what's going on. Because, of course, you know, the originals, they don't necessarily want to go back. And if they are going to go back, they want it to be on their terms, not forced into it. Meanwhile, you have these two teenagers who are being attacked by a dozen or so X-Men. And it just kind of sets down like – as crazy as comic book stories get, like, you know, hold on a second, guys. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it it was kind of that breath that the story needed at various points that we saw where things got really crazy and then it calmed down for a bit and let you kind of catch up with what you just saw. That was the um, – again, we've been seeing a lot of stuff between Scott's X-Men and Wolvie and his peeps where there's that constant bickering and a little bit of fighting and stuff like that. And and I understand that it's because they need the action because just having them standing around talking is not nearly as interesting kind of thing. So there were a few moments where it kind of felt like they were forcing a fight scene and that initial stuff with chasing after Scott and Jean and, and, and fighting them too kind of thing. That was when I kind of, the, 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 the one part out of this entire 10 issues that I had a problem with was really that because it really felt like it was shoehorned in instead of just having them talk. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually they seek uh, solace with really the only person they can turn to as much as they, they really don't want to. And that's Scott and his team of X-Men which led to some great character moments once you know it all came to a head. You, of course, had Logan and Scott still with their idealistic differences. But you had some great stuff between Zorn, Future Gene, and Emma because oh. there's a whole there's lot baggage of baggage there, there. <laughs> there baggage specifically there. on Emma's side of things. <laughs> and it w- there was a lot of dirty laundry being aired. And I loved how, how tense all that stuff was. And just, they, they brought everything out. Like I said, it's this crossover really showed you the legacy and, you know, the years of storytelling that have led up to this moment. And that was the issue too, where this was, the art was done by Giuseppe, Giuseppe, Cameron Coley, Cameron Coley, yes. yeah, and then uh, Andrew Curie. Anyways, all that just to say, you know, when you're watching these scenes that they often have, where somebody's being attacked by a psychic, or they're doing the quote unquote psychic battles kind of thing, it's you know, somebody just looks like they're in pain, and they they might have blood coming out of their nose. The nosebleed is that, always the, that's the it. Yeah, no, here you're seeing the astral type projections of them doing freaking battle <laughs> it was insanely well well done in terms of the art it was just freaking kick-ass like as zorn is taking out the cuckoos and stuff like that too beforehand and they're all toppling over and then the stuff at the end with the two jeans finally going at it wow <laughs> but i love how that battle ended with Deadpool of all people being the voice of reason and just wanting to show like you want to know how bad the future is 
they made me yeah. an X-Man. <laughs> and that just, you know, kind of brought everything to a stop of, you know, showing, you know, he brings the gun to his head. He's like, you know, his healing factor doesn't work anymore. Maybe he'll finally die. But basically he doesn't want to go back to the future he came from. It's so bad that he would rather die there. And that just sort of sets everybody you know, back and, you know, to take a deep breath and reassess the situation. And even Wolverine gave him a little bit of a, a pat on the back because, I, I, again, Deadpool, when used correctly, yep. is a very versatile character. Yeah, yeah. We've said that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we have Magic going on a little adventure. And the, the story actually started off with her in the future, as we saw several issues back in Uncanny X-Men, her teleportation power has actually expanded where now she can travel across time as well as space. So she took a peek into the future, as she says, to see if it's worth fighting for. And she saw, you know, the, the future X-Men fighting Sentinels and, you know, the usual stuff going on. And I guess she decides to continue forward. Well, now she realizes that Several people are starting to realize something really isn't quite right here. So she goes back to uh, the school, grabs original uh, Beast and original Iceman and takes them to the future because they need to find the real future X-Men. And this is where this crossover just blew my mind. I was not she even was coming because close. because of Colossus, though. <laughs> specifically because of Colossus. But like, <laughs> the overall scope of the story where now we have – the past X-Men, the current X-Men, both teams, if you will. The future X-Men are, turns out, they're the future brotherhood of evil mutants because we get the real future X-Men. And just the creativity of coming up with this particular team lineup and showing how much fun we can potentially expect to see in upcoming stories, you know, if they're going to follow down this timeline. Because first of all, we have Sentinel-X flying around in, you know, some bootleg Iron Man armor. Turns out to be Shogo, Jubilee's little baby. And the moment where, you know, he took off his helmet and you just saw Jubilee break down. And that's a character who we very rarely see be serious. And it's impactful (laughs) when she is here. Even more so, and I'm sure we'll get to it later on, but after the fight later on, um, when they're talking and they need that time together. Oh, oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have Colossus with his awesome mutton chops. I've I've gone on record many times. I love Colossus, both as a character and as a visual on the page. And every time future Colossus was on page in this crossover with Ileana's sword, as you know, there's a story to tell there. Yeah amazing stuff well we have the the thing that was great with him too is and we see this as the this event progresses is that because of all the crap that he's been through yes he still maintains his integrity and things like that in terms of what he thinks is right and wrong and standing for what's right but he's more willing to be much more brutal than he was Mm -hmm. before and like that one time when he tells Ileana to basically stab. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Xavier. And she says to him, just in case I don't get to tell you, you turned out to be awesome. I'm paraphrasing, yes. but that, it was like, yes. And so every moment he's in where you're getting to see that that he's a lot edgier. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and th- those are the two characters who have had a tenuous relationship yeah. as of late. And, and just uh, when they were together through through the later issues, that that – that pairing was very fun to see. Yep. We have 
another <laughs> version of Iceman, the Ice Master, as he calls himself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, basically an old wizard version of Iceman. And as we come to find out, the Ice Hulk that's trolling around with the Brotherhood is just one of his ice duplicates he made one time who Became just kind of went off on its own and came under the control of Zorn. <laughs> Craziness. We have Jubilee, who is jacked up has claws missing an eyeball and is now calling herself wolverine which of course raises the question of where's wolverine <laughs> we have the phoenix in the form of quentin, quentin choir, choir. <laughs> and we also have wiccan from the uh, young x-men who has apparently become sorcerer supreme in the future and chimera the daughter of storm and one can only assume black panther so i mean this is what i love about future stories and especially one like this where, spoiler alert, they don't fix everything. This isn't the dark future where they come back and set everything right again. This still seems to be the path we're heading down. And even if we don't get half of the stories that they're setting up here, just you know, the hopefulness of what more they can do with these characters that have been around for 50 years and still clearly have a lot of, you know, a lot of legs left in them. I see, especially after an event like this, and I'm going to assume this was fairly successful. I, I actually don't know the numbers. You probably would know more than I. Um, I've, from what I've seen, it's been exceptionally successful. See, I, we need to know why we're not getting a future X-Men series. It can't be because it would be hard to match the timelines and stay true to the canon because that goes willy-nilly anytime they want it's so very easy to retcon something like that but and and it doesn't have to be something that's in the ultimates universe it can be in this universe i i don't understand why they're not doing this they because it, it could be a series that sells exceptionally well especially if you have a team like this kind of thing yeah, I would absolutely read that comic book. In, in a heartbeat. I would like to write that freaking comic. That would be insanely freaking cool. I think any writer that really enjoys being able to flex their creative chops would kill to be able to write a future X-Men series where they don't have to worry too much about the canon because, again, it changes willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Just go crazy, have fun. Fun, yeah. It's essentially the... Ultimates universe, except staying true to at least the canon as it stands now, and uh, and then just go hog wild with it. Mm-hmm. We get a glimpse into what led to this new schism between the X Men of this cool future storyline where Dazzler actually becomes elected president, is assassinated, all hell breaks loose. Like, and they don't even say exactly what happened. I mean, again, I hope this is you know fodder for a future story, but I, I really really want to know more about what happened in the future that set everything so wrong. I, yeah, no, I agree. I, yeah. So now with everyone assembled, you know, the, the brotherhood, I guess we'll call them now, aren't even trying to pretend that they're good guys anymore. Kitty jumps at Wolverine, revealing to be a character known as Rays, a shapeshifter with claws, the child of Wolverine and Mystique. And as Wolverine says, he's never having sex again. Yeah. <laughs> but just everything they've said now with all these versions of all these characters, so many great character moments. I can't even begin to touch on them all. It was top to bottom brilliant. Yeah. Honestly, I can't say anything else about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Throughout the battle, uh, Magic offs Deadpool. Colossus jabs his 
giant sword through Xavier, not killing him, but crippling, crippling him. him. Yeah. And the Brotherhood tries to send the original X-Men back where they came from, but it don't work. <laughs> Something is preventing the original five from going back in time. As they say, the timeline has been altered so much at this point, maybe they just can't. Again, permanence to what they're doing with the storytelling. Yeah. I love that they use Krakoa as well. Yeah, Krakoa is always great. Freaking Eaton Scott and his X-Men. You go, buddy. (laughs) So at this point, it's plan B. Uh, The Brotherhood lures everybody to, and I forget the name of the actual place, but it's the missile base where the original X-Men first fought Magneto back in X-Men number one, the place where the X-Men were born. And it basically just is a symbolic gesture, which now that you have this huge mutant battle going on at a military installation – S.H.I.E.L.D. has to intervene. It looks, at least on panel, like Zorn kind of taps in a little bit to Quire's Phoenix power to give herself a telekinetic boost and launches every missile, rocket, and bomb S.H.I.E.L.D. has on all of their assembled helicarriers at the X-Men to show that no matter what they do, no matter how hard they fight, they will always be hated, they will always be mistrusted. And just basically, of course, trying to trick the X-Men into thinking S.H.I.E.L.D. is just trying to wipe them all off the map, which, to be perfectly honest, I'm sure Maria Hill's finger was on that button anyway. It was hovering, at least. <laughs> that should have been a two-page spread. It still looks phenomenal as a one, but mm-hmm. man, that... that we had enough two-page spreads to work with. Well, that's true, too, I guess. (laughs) When you had that huge battle going on where you have all four Icemen fighting each other, all three beasts, you've got Jeans and Emma and Cuckoos and just... I I couldn't... It was... It was freaking amazing. Yes. (laughs) I think that was was an Imonen issue, was it? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, whoever it was was freaking awesome. (laughs) Tell you in a minute, actually. But uh, but yeah, no, that was a, a Wolverine issue. Hold on a second. Um, this was Giuseppe again. Come on, oh Poli. So, uh, so, so he, yeah. he seriously had like two of the best issues in the entire crossover art-wise. I don't know about that. They were great, but I wouldn't give them top-notch, especially not. Well, he, he had the, some of the best scenes, if you will. Okay, he, oh, he had yeah, the big he, battles. Yeah, he had some yeah, insane scenes. Mm-hmm. So with the payload that S.H.I.E.L.D. is unleashing... We find out S.H.I.E.L.D. has their own Sentinels, and this is, of course, set up for future storylines, showing that maybe, the, yeah, as much as they think they can trust S.H.I.E.L.D., S.H.I.E.L.D. will never never trust them. But we finally, you know, we have the battle winding down. We have a few more losses. Old Beast bites the dust, as well as uh, Jubilee Wolverine and Old Colossus. And like you said, seeing the fallout, at least from, you know, Jubilee and Colossus, the, the way, you know, magic was you know distraught when her brother died and what we saw with you know shogo with the modern version of wolverine it's, it's I, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping everybody straight at this point <laughs> but again it's it was very well done all across the board yeah the art in that final one the battle of the atom two after all the rockets have been launched uh, we can't even go through everything that did this but it was like my god there was crap load of people that worked on this but my god was it ever amazing like again this is the one where you're seeing the two-page spread that split on a diagonal with the all of the x-men on top and then you're seeing all the missiles on the bottom mm-hmm. it the thing is is that again you're, you're creating 
such a massive setup for this battle kind of thing, having gone through so many already that you need to have these larger than life scenes. And I know it takes up a lot of page space that they need for story as well, but you need these two page spreads, these massive freaking things that just are jaw dropping. Mm -hmm. And we see all too often certain artists at times trying to pay homage to, you know, previous things. Like if I see Superman, you know, with the car in his hands one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. So we've seen it a thousand times now, but here it fit because when the original five went into battle against Zorn, the artwork was an homage to the original cover of X-Men number one. And given that this is the 50th anniversary, yeah. this is where you do something like that because it's fitting and it looked great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're bouncing into fighter, they're holy crap. <laughs> yeah. And I love how they just happen to have Warren carrying a big pipe around because in that original cover, he's got a bazooka. <laughs> like, why does Warren have a bazooka? I mean, at the time, you know. Back then, they didn't really think about stuff like that. So they had to have him like carrying this big pipe around so he could at least have the artwork match up with the original. It was <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. But as we've seen so many times in all these storylines, they say, oh, this is where everything changes. This is, you know, this, this is actually where everything does change. And we see the ripples of what's going on here spreading throughout the various comics uh, in Wolverine and the X-Men He's going to be going after the shield side of things as we see coming up. And uh, with – they at least did the epilogue like as part of the adjectiveless X-Men crew. So I would assume the storyline will be popping up there at some point. Chimera actually stays back in the modern day to hunt down the remnants of the Brotherhood that stayed behind. And it was such a great scene with the panther going through the school halls. Yeah. <laughs> and we were going to have some interesting stuff there between her and Storm that I'm definitely looking forward to. And then the big one, Kitty decides to leave the school because you know she feels that there's not a whole lot of trust there anymore and just the way they acted in the whole situation. She doesn't really want to be around. And the original, well, original four, because Warren had already left, uh, the, the, the rest of the originals realize they're not wanted there, so they might as well go along. And Kitty calls up Scott. Come to find out, the the all new X Men are now going to be operating out of Scott's camp. See, that was the okay. Again, I was talking about earlier. I had the problem with uh, the fighting the original kinds. Of, this was the moment too that this felt force. Not enough that it, it ruined it by any stretch of the imagination or anything, but it really felt forced to me. To I me, wouldn't say so because even at early on they showed that Kitty had a certain respect for Scott. Like even when he showed up on the battlefield, they were working together and how Scott and Jean, when they were on the run, Scott was, you know, modern Scott was more than willing to take them in and showing that even if it's all a ploy, even if he doesn't want them around, he's going to do it just to screw with Wolverine. And we even saw that in that last page where he has that smirk on his face. It was great. And of course, as we saw with uh, the announcement at Comic-Con, with X-23 joining the team, this now looks like an even bigger slap in the face to Wolverine where his own quote-unquote daughter is betraying him. Yeah. Eh, again, it's it, it wasn't enough that it bothered me, but it, it did feel, as I was reading it, it just was forced in as a shocker at the end. 
and it was kind of like, oh, no. It, but it's again, it's the willy-nilly bouncing all over the damn place between teams kind of things. So one minute you're fighting against them and you don't like them, the next minute, well, I might as well join them. So that, to me, kind of, again, didn't ruin it, but it kind of was a, a little minor niggle. Yeah, I'm on board with it. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> but overall, as a crossover, I mean, you had a really good story, like I said, spanning generations, paying homage to what came before, while still driving things forward. It wasn't just an event just to happen. It, it actually is going to have permanence in the storylines going forward. You had good action, fantastic art, great character moments throughout. I cannot recommend this enough. Yeah, definitely. This was, I mean, we have bashed on a lot of events, especially the different like AVX stuff and whatnot that have just plain not been good. So (laughs) take it from us when we're saying that something is good, then it's damn good, at least as it pertains to our taste. And this was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to dive on into what we're reading. I'm going to start off with uh, Iron Man. Issue 17 came out a couple weeks ago. And for a while now, they've been doing this whole secret origin of Tony Stark storyline, which I was very tentative about because it started getting into all this stuff of before he was born, you know, uh, his parents were having trouble conceiving. So they turned to this robot alien thing. Basically, Tony Stark was genetically engineered and given a predisposition to being as tech savvy as he is. And that kind of takes away a lot of the character of, you know, He's not really the self-made man that you know was always important to who he was. It, it was just sort of faded for him to be this way, and that's I've never liked that particular storytelling. Well, with issue seventeen, they kind of pulled a fast one, like pulled the rug out from under us. And I'm just going to say it flat out: we find out that uh, the genetically engineered baby wasn't Tony. So it gives a lot of depth to the character of you know even himself he 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 was kind of unsure of what his identity was so they left the core of the character intact and now he comes to find this long lost brother of his and i'm just really excited to see where the story is going forward because a, i was really not digging that storyline just based on the changes it was potentially making to the character so for them to not have done that and actually expanding you know what can be done with you know, the Stark name now, I'm actually looking forward to it going forward. I'm so behind on Iron Man right now, it's going to take me a week just to get caught up. I said, that overall, the Secret Origin story was okay, but as I said, it's now the upcoming storylines that, that have my attention. Okay, cool. Uh, have you been keeping up with Ninja Turtles? I'm behind a couple of issues, actually. Oh, my God. City Fall has been freaking amazing. I actually have been waiting so that I can read like two or three at a go kind of thing. So, oh. yeah, I'm behind. Oh, my God. They continue to kill it with every single issue. It's just nonstop awesome. Okay. And then here's an interesting one. The Deadpool Kills Deadpool oh. series. Seriously? It was a year or two ago they did the uh, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, which was very poorly executed. But I liked the core concept of, you know, for ages now, and Deadpool has been aware that he's a character in a comic book. And he finally snaps and just, you know, 
the, the whole premise of that story was he wanted to free everybody from the charade, so he just killed all the characters in the universe. And it, it wasn't very well executed. They did another one, Deadpool Illustrated, where he was going around killing like you know Captain Ahab and Sherlock Holmes, and I didn't even bother reading that one. But I was convinced to check out this particular miniseries where this psychotic version of Deadpool now realizes he needs to kill all the other Deadpools. <laughs> this was just an absolute blast. I'm not going to tell you it was a good story because it wasn't, but it was hilarious. It was fun. It was ludicrous. I mean, you had Panda Pool and Galactus Pool and <laughs> you name it. <laughs> but it, it was just, it was a fun comic. And when they had the big hero moment at the end where, you know, the cavalry comes to save the day, one of the characters was Five Ronin Deadpool. Oh, Jesus. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I actually ended up really enjoying it. Not good, but fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what have you got? Because now you're done with 52. Yeah, really? I got time to read. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, and you let me have Superior Spider-Man. Thank you. I did. You're I, welcome. I, I, I know that you meant to, so that's why I'm saying thanks. Him clocking Black Cat. Oh, <laughs> wow. Was not, I did not see that one coming. That was freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like taking out a tooth even. <laughs> so that was awesome. The, we're now seeing the safety net that was put up for Peter. So that this is where... Peter's going to be coming back now and how. So I, it's not what I was expecting. I don't know about you. Well, no, you thought it was Green Goblin. That's not Peter. Well, who is it then? That's exactly what it says on the page. Some throwaway character from years ago who was in love with Otto and her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. you're right, you're, no, you're right, you're right. No, I'm, th- I'm thinking something else. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. No, I saw that. I'm, I'm looking through the pages. No, no, you're right. At you're first, right. I was you're, like, you're, wait a minute. That's Peter? what I thought. Sorry. Yeah, that's why I was scrolling through. I was going like, ah. Oh. Because they, they, they were going through the whole brain trauma war yeah, and yeah, the people yeah. in comas and stuff. I'm like, whoa, what's, what's happening here? No, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I forgot. I just, I'm scrolling through here. But yeah, no, so, okay. Well, I, it was awesome. It was freaking awesome. I enjoyed it a lot. All I know is. However, they set things right. They need to keep Anna Marie around. Yeah, I love her. Dude, she's freaking awesome. And it's it's funny because I like the relationship with her and Otto. Oh yeah, <laughs> better than Peter and MJ. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, that was awesome. Um, have you been? Did you read the three part between them and the original X Men? I kind of looked at it, but I don't know. It, it just. It's good. I didn't actually read it. It's freaking good. I, okay. I, it, it, it spans between the, uh, the what was it? It was a special, I believe, for X-Men. Yeah, X-Men they, they were special the specials one. that came out And recently, then there was so. the Superior Spider-Man team up and then, or no, first there was uh, a Hulk and mm-hmm. then it was a Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, no, it's a little different in how it was done, but... No, it's actually it was good. I enjoyed it. it was, but again, you're talking about two things that we're really enjoying right now, like the original X Men and then Otto. So, yeah, of course it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm have to go back and take a look at it. Um, Cable and X Force. I got caught up. How was that art? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> no, you were right on that. That's for damn sure. But uh, sadly, story wise, meh. 
I mean, yeah. it's I, I, I'm enjoying the characters more than I'm enjoying the story. Yeah. So I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It, it might turn out to be great, and it'll be something different if we can have more between Nemesis and uh, and what's his face. That'll be great. Uh, give yeah. me that mini series. Yeah, less on freaking cable. <laughs> <laughs> and hope and this will be great um, for 20 years now cable has been the least interesting part of every comic he's been in. yeah so did you read forever evil arkham wars no i'm, I'm sorry I, I, you can't make me i didn't think so uh it had moments that were fun it had moments the art was insane absolutely insanely good uh again it, it had some moments that were fun the, the, the problem is is that once again we're it's a Batman story without Batman. So, and it's Batman that makes the stories interesting. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't bad. I don't know that I'd recommend to anybody, but yeah, it wasn't bad. Did you read Phantom X Max, number one? No. Dude. Okay, read it. Like, <laughs> really? Read it tonight, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Okay, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> and this is not for kids. It has an explicit content sticker on the front for a reason. And that's why I've never really been into the Max comics. They they seem like they they're more interested in the explicit content than they are in the actual comic. And I will you know what? I I'd be the first to to say if it feels forced simply because of that. I I will. But it fits with this character so well. So when they are more explicit in language or in violence, it kind of fits what you're reading. The explicitness between him and his ship, <laughs> that's, that's a whole bunch of crazy happening there. <laughs> Seriously is. It was kind of funny to read at points because she's just off the wall crazy. And again, there's some parts that are quite obviously with the skimpy panty shots make me kind of groan and say, I'm not a 14 year old kid anymore. Come on, you're, you're, you're pushing it. But overall, though, when you're looking at the issues, and again, it, it is explicit content. There's a lot of stupid where they overdid it, but man, there's a lot of fun too. Hmm. I, I'm reading number two. I don't know if it came out yet. I'll have to check, but, uh, but yeah, I thought it was fun. And and part of it too is just I love the character. I love Phantom X so much. So it was again, it was a fun read. I enjoyed it. All right. And you must have read Mighty Avengers number two? Did. Okay. What did you think of it? I'm still optimistic. I mean <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the whole infinity tie in is kinda forcing things together, but I just love so many of the characters in the comic. I'm willing to give it time. I had no idea who the blue Marvel was. I, I never neither did I, oh, okay. but I guess we'll learn. So there you go. He seemed interesting, pretty mellow dude kind of thing. Again, he's got to be a genius because that's all these superheroes are apparently nowadays. Uh, but no, it's again, you're, you're having the cool stuff with, with auto. That's, yeah. that's all I care about. So that's, <laughs> it's a win-win. So I, I'm willing to keep going with that one. And then, like I was saying with Pretty Deadly, I guess I won't be talking about that because we're going to be going over that in a future issue. But just to say, I absolutely loved it. I 
I read it several times just to appreciate how well written it was as well. So yeah. I, that was great. Uh, the next part of the Sav- Savage Wolverine trilogy, I was telling you that I'd read the next one, number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're getting him on another planet with kind of a young clone of him chasing after him and stuff. This is a continuation of that. It it was, again, nothing original, but I'm enjoying this story a little bit more now because of the relationship between essentially him and his clone young him or whatever the hell that kid is kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the resolution, but I'm more interested in knowing what's coming next. What's the next story arc going to be in i was just reading something it. about that today but Were i forget you? exactly what it was okay because i'm i'm curious what phil jimenez be. is doing it um superman wonder woman number one i'd been putting that off and i finally read it i actually haven't read it yet it's weird seeing him romantically involved with anyone other than lois you know so it's kind of i, I and i like that because mm-hmm. it's not always the same damn thing so I kind of like seeing him romantically involved and dealing with the difficulties of, you know, this almighty power couple kind of thing. I mean, there wasn't a ton of stuff in it. It was much more about them dealing with their own private lives and then dealing with a couple of kind of catastrophes going on. But as a setup, I, I'll give it a shot for a few more issues and see where it goes kind of thing. Okay. So it wasn't too bad. There was one more I was going to mention. And of course, I can't remember. Oh, I read the the next Ultimate Comic X-Men as well. Uh, yeah. I'm still... I'm taking a break from that one for a while. You know what? I I'll will come back be to it. so happy when Jean Grey is dead <laughs> there because they've got to kill her off. My God, don't hang on to her as a freaking villain forever. Kill her off. She's a waste of freaking space. And just annoying. But anyways, uh, I guess that's it. I can't find the other one that I was going to talk about. Now, ah, well, yeah, I read I'm a sure, lot. Dude, sure I, I, good. I went through a crap load of comics. <laughs> yes, it was like, did. I am done with 52. <laughs> Bring on the new stuff. <laughs> okay. So before you start yelling at me about how long the episode is, new releases from Marvel. We have the long awaited amazing X-Men number one. Yes, please. Absolutely. We have Captain America number 13, Captain Marvel number 17, the Carol Corps issue, which is the uh, the end of that until early next year. We have Cataclysm number one hitting the Ultimate Universe, Iron Man number 18, our miniseries Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe number one, which I hope is as fun as it sounds. We have Mighty Avengers number three and X-Men Legacy number 19. It was the Cataclysm point one I was going to talk about. Oh, well, <laughs> save it for next week. All right, fine. <laughs> From DC, we have Batman Superman number five, Detective Comics number 25, Earth 2 number 17, which is worth pointing out especially because uh, James Robinson did some cool stuff with that uh, up through 16. And now Tom Taylor, the writer for Injustice, is taking over as of issue 17. We have Forever Evil number three, Superman Unchained number four, and Swamp Thing number 25. And I was going to talk about Ultimate Comics or Spider-Man too. Start writing the stuff down. Damn, I really do have to prepare. <laughs> and from our smaller publishers, we have Uber number seven from Avatar, the Star Wars number three from Dark Horse, Ghostbusters number nine, and Transformers Dark Cybertron number one from IDW. And from Image, we have East of West number seven, Fatal number 18, and Ghosted number five. I'm actually getting caught up on Saga. 
because I, I said I was going to give it a <laughs> shot because I know I've been ripping on it. And it's funny, I was talking to somebody else on Twitter who it appears they like it. And I was like, you know what? I'll read it, start to finish, give it another shot kind of thing because I missed a bunch of issues. and just So I'll be giving my thoughts on that probably next week. Can't wait. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. And just very quickly, got word from Jim Zub. I am going to be receiving the issues that I promised for our listeners of Samurai Jack number one signed. So as soon as I receive them, I know, and I know how many I'm going to be giving out, I will be, we'll talk about that on the show and we'll get people to email and ask for their copies. Woo-hoo. Maybe you'll get lucky and get the exclusive whiteout variant. Oh, Jesus. Now, <laughs> now I'm going to have to link that in the show notes. <laughs> Bastard.